Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You're listening to Blue Jays Nation Radio with Cam Lewis and Tyler Uremchuk, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Episode 179 of Blue Jays Nation Radio brought to you by Botano. Whether you want to get in on the action down the stretch drive in September or maybe get in on some NFL football action, go Bills tonight. Bills minus two. Botano's got it all covered. 19 plus. Please play responsibly. Coomzy, it's a sweep edition of Blue Jays Nation Radio. It feels like forever since we've been able to say that. It's the first sweep since, what, the one in Boston, the Fenway series, the Davis Schneider one back in early yep. August? I think, yeah, it's their first sweep in over just over a month here. And they they finally did it. There was some sweepable series oh. in this 15-game stretch. It was a roller coaster ride, but they went 10-5 and five, like, like, like we hoped they would. They pulled off that sweep against the Kansas City Royals and executed a 10-5 and five record in that 15-game stretch. And now they're in a good spot. They're actually... Things are looking pretty positive. The Blue Jays are in control of their own destiny. They're in the second wild card spot, though I would rather them be in the third wild card spot because I think I'd rather face the Twins in Minnesota than the Rays at the Trop. Personal thing, but yeah, good, good, good vibes. Let's challenge ourselves to be an exclusively good vibes podcast today. Hundred percent. And I think if we could go back to the start of this fifteen game stretch. We kind of agreed in that podcast before the Cleveland series. We're like, hey, if they want to stay in the race, 10 and 5 at a bare minimum. And I know some people were throwing out the 12 and 3 thing, blah, blah, but it was like, okay, to stay in the race, 10 and 5. Well, shit, you end up going 10 and 5 and you don't just stay in the race. You're in, I would say, an infinitely better spot than you were when this stretch started. And a big part of that is that the Outer Town scoreboard just keeps breaking their way. Like you look at the Texas Rangers, who we're going to talk about a ton on this episode of the podcast, but they're three and seven in their last 10. And when you look at their last 15 and compare it to the Jays, they're like six and nine. So yeah, for the Jays, like you got the job done. I'm not going to give them like an A plus grade for this stretch of baseball here because there were a lot of games that were sloppy. There were games that, you know, they won that they kind of had no business winning if we're being honest. But I think I would give them like a solid B grade for how they played. Yeah, I think I think now we're kind of seeing what this team looks like when things are clicking and things are going well. I'm not sure we're going to get everyone's hot at the exact same time and every pitcher's at their best and the bullpen's healthy and rolling and we got a 15-game winning streak. I don't know if that's in the cards for this team. They're just running out of real estate at this point on the calendar, but... 
it's it, it we, we brought up many times that this is a lot like the 2016 year and it, that year wasn't really loaded with these huge winning streaks and beating the wheels off at teams it was two out of three two out of three two out of three and that's kind of what we've seen here is you know two out of three over washington two out of three over colorado two out of three o- over oakland then finally a sweep over kansas city and you put together a really nice stretch things 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 are clicking right now and i mean there's a couple weeks left in the season some good teams left to face like you said the texas series very important more series against uh tampa more against new york there's many tests left and they certainly haven't clinched a playoff spot yet but there's definitely reasons to feel good about how the team's playing i mean they they've come back and gone ahead after going down they're coming back late in games they're shutting things down the starting pitching's been good i mean you can look at the teams they're playing and say oh these teams all suck you should win no matter what but that's not really how baseball works it's it's september and there's lots of good like decent young players coming up competing for jobs next year you know there's lots of players with things to prove and teams that you think are bad on paper aren't necessarily as bad as they look and you still have to go out and win games and that's what the Jays have been doing recently yeah Uh, let's get into our three up three down then and talk about the good vibes that we saw in this one our first up Coombsy I am labeling it a diverse offense you look at those three games and you know it wasn't like the previous series where you were like against Colorado where you were just putting up a million runs but I thought it was really encouraging to see the way the Jays put up those runs. In the first game of the series, Bo Bichette returns the lineup with a bang. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. has a really big hit that he just hammered off the wall in left center. And it was like, okay, the stars kind of did the job for you. Davis Schneider went two for two and walked twice as well. You had game two, bit of a long ball game. George Springer hits a couple of home runs. One of his best games of the season at the dish. But then in game three, you know, Springer goes one for four. Bo goes 0 for three. Vladdy doesn't get a hit either, but who comes through for the Jays? It's Kirk driving in, or sorry, Kirk getting on base, and eventually Varsho came around to score in his spot. A big RBI from Espinal. RBI pinch hit single from Kevin Biggio. Dinger from Kevin Kiermeyer. Like, it, it wasn't the Stars doing it. It was these six, seven, eight, nine hitters on the Jays. Like, they won three games in three very different ways at the dish in this series, and I find that very encouraging. Yeah, I think when you when you kind of break it down and look at it, you see the Jays won all three of these games with five runs in each of them. So what what I think we're seeing is when the offense can put up like five or six runs, you feel very good about the pitching staff coming together to hold the other team to something beneath that. The, you, you feel pretty good that Toronto's pitchers mm-hmm. can hold the other team down. Like, look at how their starting pitchers are performing thus far. Jose Barrios with a great start in the series. Kevin Gosman with a great start. Yusei Kikuchi was solid. I mean, in the bullpen, like, yeah, they've had their lapses here and there. They pitched a ton of innings. It's the way it is. But generally, you feel pretty good at the team's ability to keep the opponent from scoring a bunch of runs. So it, it you don't really need to, if you're the 2023 Blue Jays, score 10 runs. This isn't, you know, like in 2015 or 2021 when the, the bullpen was shaky and you were not certain that you could hold leads. It's really different now. The Jays just need to find a way usually to get to five or six runs in the game and they're probably fine. And like you said, that happened in a whole bunch of different ways. And they, were, they also benefited from some circumstance too, right? Cole Reagans in the third game just absolutely breezes through five innings, dominant like expected. And then in the sixth, just completely loses his control, throws those three wild pitches in a row. There's speed on the base pass so they can take advantage of it. Good heads up base running. They tie the game and they go from there. And this this Jays team, they've been playing playing playoff style games almost all year, it feels. It feels like we were talking about must win games in like June. 
when when you know they struggled through May and they were going up against a division opponent and they played so many tight, difficult games that it really feels like now they're ready for this. They're ready for this Texas series uh, that's coming up. They're ready for these series against the Rays, the Yankees. They're going to be tough. And the Jays are prepared for it because they've been pretty much playing in them all season. We talked about this last episode, but like their longest winning streak of the season is six games. This is not a team who at any point has had to come easy for them. Like they've had to scratch and claw for basically every victory and not to sound like too much of a Buck Martinez-esque cliche machine here, but like in a way, I feel like they're kind of battle tested with the way this season's gone. Like there's been adversity. There's been stretches where they've just flat out played bad and yet they can sit here, look at themselves in the mirror on September 11th and go, we very easily control our own fate for the rest of the season here. Like there is something to the mental side of the sport and the way this season's gone for the Jays. Yeah, definitely. That's that's exactly why I feel I, I feel quite comfortable going into the series against Texas. And it's not just because the Rangers are in a bit of a free fall. You know, they're they're a lot of their pitchers have reached career highs in innings pitched and they're burning out and you can see it in the way the team is performing. The bullpen's struggling tremendously and the bats can only keep it up for so long. You can only be a, you can't be a world beating offense every single game. You you need your pitchers to come through. And part of the reason why I feel good about the Jays going into the series is like you said, even when they're not clicking and there's a wide array of different things wrong with the team and they they they've still done a pretty good job at finding ways to come out on top i mean they're 80 and 63 on the season 17 games over 500 i i feel like at a glance if you ask most people who have followed this roller coaster ride all year where where they stand right now in mid-september i don't think many people without looking would be able to say there's 17 games over 500 but here we are I saw that tweet from the Jays social media yesterday of like the season high games over 500. And I like my jaw hit the floor. I'm like, they've won 17 more games than they've lost this year. Cause you're right. It does not feel that way at all. Uh, our second up from this series, important starts. You mentioned in game one, the bullpen got taxed. They had to go to, or they went, they didn't have to, they went to Jordan Hicks very early on yanking Yusei Kikuchi after just 88 pitches. And you know, the results weren't exactly there, but you had to burn, what was it, 30 pitches from Jordan Romano to get out of that ball game. Tim Meza had to throw Trevor Richards, Jordan Hicks, Chad Green. And it was kind of like, okay, how are you going to handle these next two games now with, um, with basically a handful of your best relievers not available to pitch in each of the next two? And then what do you get? You get Kevin Gosman striking out 10 and going eight strong. You get Jose Barrios going seven and only allowing the two earned runs. Those were huge starts considering how taxed the bullpen was. Yeah, the Gosman one was, well, both of them really. Uh, Gosman had had a few rougher starts recently. I think it was four innings only in Colorado and then five innings in the start before that. There was obviously some worry about him in the second half. Remember, he skipped the All-Star game and then missed a few starts after that with with the fatigue. Um, like I mentioned here with Texas, Gosman's right up reaching a career high in the innings pitch for a single season right away. So you kind of expect some struggles in the second half there. But this one against Kansas City was so necessary because, like you said, they used so many different relief arms to get through that game on Friday to win. And then Gosman in the next one goes eight innings and just completely shuts things down. Eight innings pitched, only the one earned run, two hits, one walk, ten strikeouts, one of Gosman's best performances of the season. And then the next day, Jose Barrios comes out and the only um, seven innings as well, two earned runs, and both of those earned runs came in the same inning in the sixth. And he still came out after that and had a huge seventh inning. It was, it almost felt like an electric inning from a reliever. Like a, it, it felt like he came out 
as a relief pitcher for the seventh inning because he was like so electric. And you saw how fired up he was when he struck out the third batter to get through the inning. And this was after the Jays, of course, had tied the game as well at 2-2. And it was he was fired up, man. That was like it felt like an electric relief performance from Barrios and back to back 15 innings between Barrios and Gosman. That is huge. And this is exactly why you feel good about the Jays down the stretch as frustrating as they are to watch as as up and down as it's been as bad as the bats can be and how ugly it is to watch. Look at their starting pitching. That's what, that's what wins you games in October. And man, they're going to have, if, they, if the starters can keep rolling like this, they can potentially roll into October with a pretty rested and loaded bullpen. That's, that's what you hope for. Yeah, it would be nice. And that's, again, we I talked with Michael Bradburn seven days ago on one of the episodes. And he's not a Jays fan. He's just a guy who covers the league. And he came out and was like, man, if this team gets to October, look out. Because it's starting pitching and it's the bullpen that's driving them, unlike in years past. Uh, where do we want to go for our third up here? I mean, George Springer with that signature game in the game to win. It is great having Bo Bichette back in the lineup. Maybe we give it to Kevin Kiermeyer. He had a triple and then he had a home run in this series as well and just a massive home run. And I loved him grabbing the mic from Arden Zwelling and firing up the crowd at Rogers. Uh, I, I think I might go Kiermeyer for the third up, Goomzy. Yeah, Kiermaier is a good one. The uh, He's had a lot of clutch moments this season. Think back to his, remember in their home opener, that huge game-saving catch up against the wall, the new wall, the first time any of us have ever seen. He hits a home run in that game as well. Kiermaier has come up clutch for the Jays multiple times this year. And then Springer, he had a he was having a really rough year, like a, like a tough year. But then, you know, late August, September rolls around and he heats up. And that's what we've said about George Springer so many times is what you're paying for on this contract is the guy who's going to come through in September and then hopefully in October up there there that's what that's what he has the pedigree of doing um, during those playoff runs with the Houston Astros he was so good for them in 2017 of course and yeah having Bo Bichette back at the top of the lineup as well it really just injects a lot of life up there he he he's such a such a weapon like we saw in that in that first game with the the clutch single the clutch double and then Vladdy comes up clutch as well after that it's always really nice when you have those instances where Bo and Vlad kind of come up back to back and do something and you kind of see that you think all the way back to you know their days when they were like the Lansing Lugnuts main prospects coming up and it was Bo and Vlad oh look at that they went back to back home runs or one hits a double one cashes the other one in and then you actually see that happening at the big league level in real time you know Bo hits a single gets on base Vladdy drives him in with a double it's a it's a cool thing to see and I guess I mean this is the Kansas City Royals but we're we're doing a good vibes only podcast so we're just going to get excited regardless like this is a bad team fair enough but they look like they're clicking. There's there's a lot of things coming together here, and it's it's very good momentum and very good vibes going into this series against Texas. You also got to get a get a little lucky in this series, and you talked oh, yeah. about that Cole Reagan's moment. Um, I mean, he was just absolutely shutting them down. Like the Jays didn't get a runner in scoring position, I think, until the sixth inning of that game when they eventually scored runs, and they only got those runners into scoring position because they were walking. Like it wasn't even like they were driving the ball to the gap on him. He was shutting them down and then just out of nowhere couldn't stay on his feet. Like it, it was crazy, man. I I don't remember ever seeing something like that in my time watching baseball. The only thing it kind of reminded me of was a World Series probably about 10 years ago now. I think it involved the Cardinals. Do you remember they tried to intentionally walk someone and they rifled it to the backstop <laughs> and the tying run came in to score? That's like the moment that was popping into my head. But that Cole Reagan thing is like a once in every 50 years, it feels like baseball moment. 
Yeah, that was that was that was really something. It was he looked like for the first five innings, it was Randy Johnson pitching. Man, he was just mowing guys down, and then just completely lost it. And also the after two wild pitches on the third one to just not even cover home plate, <laughs> the whole thing just it was it was very bizarre to see. But and then also think back to in the first game when they had that um, they were losing two to one and they had that four run rally in the seventh. That came after Alejandro Kirk hits an infield single and beats out Kansas City's reliever Austin Cox to first base. And Kansas City's reliever he 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 fell down and got hurt and it was it was an ugly sight. You feel bad for the guy, but. The Blue Jays came and immediately then capitalized on a reliever who had to warm up quickly. And that was pretty much the turning point in the game. So two different areas where they were kind of gifted opportunities and they did manage to capitalize. And <laughs> these are the kinds of things you, you, you're, you're going to kind of want to see from them down the stretch. Like when the games get really hard, when it's Texas, New York, Tampa, whoever they wind up facing in October, knock on what if they get there. These are the kinds of things you need to do and capitalize on to win the games. If they continue to get good pitching and they can just find ways to score runs, however that is, then I don't know. Things things actually are looking pretty good. Um, if we want to have one down from this series, Davis Schneider's batting average is below 400. Brings up the ah. bust question. Uh, yeah, I think I'd say that I'm I'm wildly disappointed with David Schneider's production now. This uh, this has been a this is a disaster that he's down below 400. I think it's time to send him back to Buffalo. What do you what did you mean to Spencer Horwitz? I want to pick your brain on him a little bit. We talked about it a bit when he had his first career dinger, but they moved him up to the two spot for that second game. And I actually thought the dynamic was interesting. Not that you're ever going to you know, not have Bo Bichette there, but him is kind of a lefty bat hitting in between Springer and Vladdy. That might be an interesting little glimpse into next year's team. You know, like if you were to let Brandon Belt walk and you keep Horowitz up as a full timer, like that dynamic is something. Yeah, it does kind of feel like Horowitz is almost like the built in Brandon Belt replacement, mm-hmm. the guy who can be towards the top of the lineup like you mentioned and take good at bats i think i i i I talked about brandon belt a few podcasts ago and what i liked about him in toronto's lineup is that he always tends to have good at bats it reminds me almost of how troy tolowitzki was when he came here in 2015 and 16 and though he never was really going nuclear like he did in colorado and put up mvp numbers while he was a blue jay it was frequently good at bats where he saw a lot of pitches and brandon belt in that spot when he's batting kind of between Bo and then Vlad gives them that exact thing. And I think Spencer Horowitz as a rookie in, in the big leagues, just coming up for the first time from Buffalo this year has for his age showed like a pretty good approach to fit into that spot. I, I do think next year, if he's on the team, we'll probably see him more often use at the bottom of the lineup, but the profile of the kind of player the Jays would like to have, I think, batting in between Bo and Vlad or maybe behind Vlad, however things wind up working, is that guy who can take walks and see a lot of pitches because Bo's a pretty swing-happy guy. George Springer at the top, he swings a lot. Vladdy, as we know, he likes to swing too. He's trying to hit dingers. So you want to have in your top four that guy who's not afraid to take a walk, work a count, and maybe Spencer Horowitz is that guy next year. <sighs> Interesting September still coming. Hopefully they get Brandon Belt back in the lineup right away, though. I know we were just yeah. talking about how much we like Horwitz, but I mean, that's another guy who's seen a ton of playoff baseball in his career. And you would imagine having him in the lineup would be quite valuable for the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, we'll talk about that in our preview of what's coming up with the Texas Rangers. We will also get to our playoff report with Brett Holden. But first, let's step aside for a quick break. 
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Moving along on episode 179 of Blue Jays Nation Radio, brought to you by Botano. Let's bring in Brett Holden to talk a little bit about what went on on the out-of-town scoreboard early on in this series. Uh, They got a lot of help. Things kind of changed, though, in the final two days of the weekend, or Saturday, Sunday, I should say, Brett. Yeah, it was a nice little start to the weekend, that's for sure. Let's start off with the Tampa Bay Rays here, who are still sitting in that top wild card spot. They just played the Seattle Mariners. Now, they did help the Blue Jays a little bit here, but it wasn't without a one nothing win from the Mariners in the series opener. And then it was all Rays from their 7-4 win for the Rays, 7-5, and then 6-3. Now, in that first uh, win for the Rays, the second game of the series, George Kirby was the pitcher in that game. And now there's been a lot of controversy around what has been going on with George Kirby and that pull. He ended up getting pulled after throwing uh, or giving up a home run or a couple of home runs to tie the game as well. And this is what kind of this is what has led to the controversy. This is what George Kirby said after not being pulled. After uh, he was, they were in the lead up 4-2, and then he ended up tying the game. But this is what he said. He said, obviously, I screwed up. Uh, That's not me. Skips always got to pry that ball out of my hands. Super uncharacteristic of me as a player and who I am on that mound. I love competing. Like I said, I just screwed up. But he has had to uh, apologize from there as well. Yeah, I want to talk. I want to get your take on that a little bit, Coombsy. They talked about it on the Jays broadcast the next day, but I, 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 I understood a bit where Kirby was coming from with his frustration of being put back into the game. But at the same time, I mean, if, if he would have went out there and just gotten out of the inning on two deep fly balls, would he have come out after and been like, oh, I shouldn't have been out? No, he would have been like fired up that he finished off seven innings in a big game. To me, it was a little bit of like a kind of a sore loser moment, I guess, for lack of a better phrase. 
Yeah, we had we had just kind of talked about how important it was for the Jays that they got these big long starts from Gosman and Barrios, eight innings from Gosman, yeah. seven innings from Barrios, fifteen innings cleared right there. So you only have to have what two or three or four potentially if you go into extras from your bullpen. And then you look at Seattle, like they traded away their closer at the trade deadline. Their bullpen's not as good now as it was before, and they're having to use like look at the Tampa game that they that the that they played in the series finale. Taylor Sacedo is pitching in a tie game in the ninth inning and allows the the Rays to jump ahead so if you're George Kirby you got to understand why your manager wants you to throw a lot of innings because look at the bullpen behind you yeah and Andres Munoz is hurt right now I believe as well so it's like you're missing pretty much every good arm in your bullpen like George Kirby team sport not all about your numbers like you were still probably the best option compared to going with like the seventh best reliever on that roster so anyways i thought it was weird but like you said brett he did come out and apologize it did also lead to some hilarious rants from buck martinez this weekend like anti-analytic stuff and like the state of baseball it was classic buck martinez uh but anyways continue brett and of course it's around the against the tampa bay rays mm-hmm. shout out blake snell and the dodgers <laughs> uh but yeah let's <laughs> let's just finish up with the Rays here uh, isaac paredes is day to day with a right hand contusion after being a, hit by a pitch and then zach efflin has tied chris bassett and kyle gibson for the most wins by an american league pitcher with four and the Rays bullpen, you want to talk about the difference between the Mariners and the Rays bullpen? The Rays bullpen have only allowed a 1.10 ERA in the last 14 games. Now, the Seattle Mariners, who are the team trailing the Blue Jays right now, they have a series coming up against the Los Angeles Angels and then right after they play the L.A. Dodgers. Now, I wouldn't really be too concerned about the Angels, but the Dodgers, they seem to keep getting hot, keep getting wins somehow with a depleted bullpen. I think my uncle's pitching for them this weekend. But either way, let's move on to the Texas Rangers, who it seems like Coombsy, you pointed out, just don't want to make the playoffs. They do play their final game of the series against the Oakland Athletics today. But it could end up as a split if the A's get a win. They got the win in the series opener 6-3. to three, And each game hasn't been too convincing for the Rangers. A 3-2 win in the second game. And if it wasn't for Marcus Simeon, it, the third game was probably not going to be that pretty either. Marcus Simeon 4-5 for five with two homers, two RBIs. And in the month of September, he's been 14 for 38. Are we missing anybody at all? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have them. But they Come on, do. David Schneider's here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. If it wasn't before that Boston series, maybe yeah. we were missing him a little bit. Uh, the Jays are their next opponents, as we know, for four games starting tonight. Now, in game two, it will be Max Scherzer up against Hyunjin Ryu. And we talked about recently that Max Scherzer's arm seems to be getting a little tired. A little bit of conversation around there, something to watch for this series as well. Speaking of injuries to arms, Nathan Evaldi will also be pitching in this series against Kevin Gosman. So these are big name pitchers, but they are facing some uh, callbacks as well or potential pullbacks as well. For the New New York Rangers, excuse me, the Texas Rangers, the Texas Rangers also called up their number one prospect in Evan Carter. He got a hit in his first at-bat with the uh, Rangers. It was a single, and then he stole a base 
as well with that he is called up kind of in the midst of Adolis Garcia's uh, right patellar yeah. tendon strain which we spoke about last episode as well but the team is cautiously optimistic that Garcia will return this year two more teams to squeeze through here and they're actually facing each other coming up the Boston Red Sox and the New York Yankees. Let's start with the Red Sox, who just played the Baltimore Orioles and eh, didn't go too well. Two wins for the O's in the three-game series. 11-2 win in the first game. 13-12 in the second one. And then finally, Red Sox got one through 7-3. Now, more injury news that we've been talking about the last couple of weeks. James Paxton will be shut down for the rest of the year with right knee inflammation. Seems like ever since that no-no against the Jays, it's just been <laughs> downhill from uh, there for Paxton. Now, I mentioned the next team that the Red Sox play the New York Yankees, and that one's going to be fun, but maybe not so much for the Yankees because they just are coming off a two game or two losses in three games against the Brewers, eight two loss in game one, nine two in game three or in game two, excuse me. But in game three through nine innings, the Brewers no hit the Yankees. They did end up getting the win, however, 4-3 in 13 innings, but they were held without a hit. Now some unfortunate news for the Yankees. Just as it seemed like they were starting to fly a little bit, a bomb drops here. Jason Dominguez, who was who did go one for seven yeah. in the uh, Milwaukee series with a homer, he's torn his UCL. And he will be out until halfway through 2024. Just when it seemed like the Yankees got something else to cheer for. Not so much. And one last injury note for the Yankees. Luis Severino has been placed on the 15-day IL with a left oblique strain. And that as well will end his season. There you go. Thanks for the update, Brett. A big series coming up for the Jays. Uh, just a quick update on the tiebreakers as well, Cam, because that could be a very, very big story as we head through the rest of September here. The Jays do not own the tiebreaker against Seattle. They do own it against the Houston Astros. And right now they are one and two against the Texas Rangers. So you need to win three out of four against Texas if you want to hold the tiebreaker over them. And again, with no more of the game 163 stuff, that's basically like being up a whole nother game if you can get this tiebreaker on the Rangers. Yeah, it completely changes the the complexion of the playoff race. If if the Jays go two and two in this series and Texas knows ultimately they just have to tie the Jays in the standings to finish in front of them, then it kind of, you know, it, yeah. it, it changes the race down the stretch. So really going into this four gamer with Texas, the goal is three and one. You 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 need to come out of this with the tiebreaker, otherwise you know, your, your, your fate isn't necessarily on your own hands. You kind of are because you would be still leading in the standings, but you wouldn't want them to have the tiebreaker. No, like the difference between going three and one and two and two, like you go three and one, you're four and a half up on them and you own that tiebreaker, basically like being five and a half games up on the Texas Rangers. So a great opportunity for the Jays to create some separation here. Uh, Brett touched on a little bit of what we're getting from the Rangers this week. Let's go through the starting pitching matchups, though. Chris Bassett versus Dane Dunning in game one. Hunjin Ryu against Max Scherzer in game two. Yusei Kikuchi versus Jordan Montgomery. And then the series finale will be Kevin Gosman on the bump against Nathan Yovaldi. And what's interesting, a lot of these Rangers pitchers made their last starts against the Houston Astros when 
they just got absolutely hammered. But like Dane Dunning against the Astros, nine earned runs in five and a third. He's allowed at least three earned runs despite not going any later than the fifth inning in four consecutive starts. Max Scherzer gave up seven earned in just three innings his last time out, although it's still Max Scherzer. You can probably expect some quality out of him. Nathan Uvalde, uh, you know, he only went two and a third against the Oakland A's his last time out. Before that, in his first start since coming off the IL, didn't even get out of the second inning. Like, they're being very careful with him. That's a very interesting spot in this series. And then uh, also Jordan Montgomery hasn't looked good. He's allowed 14 earned runs in his last three starts and, again, hasn't pitched or completed a sixth inning in any of them. So this is a Rangers pitching staff that is kind of ripe for the picking. Yeah, it really is. I mean, if you'd be hard-pressed to say that the Blue Jays are a big, powerful, intimidating offense, but given the way that Texas is pitching lately and given the way the Blue Jays have been pitching lately, I mean, the bats, like I said earlier in the thing, you only really need to score like five runs, and your pitchers are probably going to keep it down below that. The Rangers are a good hitting team, but their pitchers are struggling big time, and the, the bats really need to come through and take advantage. Um, there was an interesting tweet uh, to highlight kind of just how important the series is and how much things can shift in the next four days is James G on Twitter pointed out that if Texas sweeps this series, Toronto's playoff odds go down to 37%. But if Toronto sweeps this series, their odds are making the playoffs are at 99.3%. With a split, the Blue Jays are at 80%. If Texas wins three games, the Blue Jays likelihood to make the playoffs is 59%. If Toronto goes three and one, it's 97% likelihood of making the playoffs. So if you get the job done against Texas, a team that's been struggling a little bit, you're right there. A four-game sweep or a three and one, it, it, it puts you in a very good spot. It'd be very hard for the Rangers to jump the Blue Jays in the final two weeks of the season. Oh, you're getting me excited, Coomzy. And I'm going to be in the building on uh, Thursday as well, making the flight out early Thursday morning to go watch that series finale. Kevin Gosman on the bump. I'm, I'm very fired up. Uh, this should be a big series. Brett mentioned uh, the Adolis Garcia injury. Also, Josh Jung, Josh Jung out for the Rangers as well. So... I mean, again, like this, this team's banged up. There, there's just no excuse for the Jays right now, if we're being honest. The bullpen is rested. This Rangers team is struggling. You should have a ton of momentum. You're at home. You have, you know, two of your more reliable starters in the five man rotation, although everyone is reliable right now. Like, there's just, there's no excuses flat out. No, there isn't. There's, uh, this this is the time where we'll really show what the team's made of. You know, there was this the stretch where where we were talking about ten and five. They have to do that against these teams. Blah blah blah. We've we've been talking about must win series a lot this season. Like I said, kind of tongue in cheek. We were talking about must win back in May uh, when they were playing the Yankees and the Orioles and stuff like that. But this really is that, and and I think I think they're in a pretty good spot. They they had this nice little stretch of softer games where they don't really have to play perfectly and they can come out on top winning series sweeping series whatever like we saw with kansas city there was some room for error but that's going to tighten up here a little bit and the positive is is that as we both said they played a ton of tight and difficult games this season so they're pretty geared up for this this isn't something brand new it's not like the jays facing texas in a series with significant playoff implications in september is the first time they've dealt with pressure all season like they're, they're, they're not a team that came flying out of the gates and had a huge lead in the playoffs. They're a team that's grinded all year, and I think they're in a good spot. Uh, hopefully, hopefully this feeling's right, and the good vibes continue. 
I wanted to wrap this up with a little, uh, I have a trivia question for you, Coombsy, and it's brought to you by our friends at Patano because it is betting themed. This season in Major League Baseball, if you were to put $100 on the money line for every team, who do you think this season has been the most profitable and who do you think has been the least profitable this season? The most profitable, you'd have to think it's one of the teams that you wouldn't have expected to be as good as they are, right? Maybe maybe a Baltimore or a Texas, and then the or – is, or is, the, is this a trick question and it's the Jays? No, it's not a trick question. Uh, you, were, you nailed it with Baltimore. They are, uh, they are number one. If you were to put $100 on every Baltimore Orioles game this season, you would be up just a hair under $3,200. What I actually found interesting, though, is the team that's second on the list, and this is kind of why I wanted to bring this up, the Washington Nationals, despite the fact that they are 15 games under 500, if you were to put $100 on the Nats every game this season, you'd be up almost $2,200, which I found just incredibly fascinating. Yeah, it's interesting. And then I guess on the other side, underachievers, it's got to be the Yankees or the Mets, maybe the Angels, one of those teams, right? Yeah, they're both near the bottom. The team that is at the bottom is actually just the Kansas City Royals because they have not been doing a ton of winning <laughs> at all. San Diego is second on the list. That's and if you were to put $100 on the Toronto Blue Jays every game this season, you would be down $41. Uh, so. Yeah, that sounds about right for some reason. Yeah, it feels right. like I've lost $41 watching this team this season, even though I don't bet. <laughs> All right, there you go. That's a, that's a wrap on this week's edition of the pod. Coombsy, wrap it up with an MVP prediction for this series. Ooh, MVP prediction for this series. That's an interesting one. Uh, I think it's going to be a big one for Vlad. Yeah, I think he's going to come through with a couple of big home runs here against Texas. We all love it when Blue Jays have big homers against the Texas Rangers, and I think Vlad is going to have a signature moment at some point in this four-game series. I think they're going to get a gem out of Kevin Gosman in that Thursday finale. And I'll just make a bold prediction. There'll be a walk-off home run in this four-game set for the Blue Jays. Uh, it should be a fun one at the Dome, Coombsy. Enjoy it. Best wishes. Thanks for tuning in to Blue Jays Nation Radio. Don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 